We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday afternoon uh, with Britt Robson of Min Post. Britt, the Wolves are four games into the post All Star break portion of the season. I think the two of us both came into these four games out of the break um, thinking we we're going to really be using this as a barometer what the rest of the the rest of the regular season was going to be but also both probably came into this thinking that 3 and 1 against Memphis, Philly, Cleveland and Golden State would be what was was outside of my expectations for sure. Um what what have you just taken away from the way the Wolves have been able to to start this post All-Star break portion of the season? Well, my predictions mentally anyway, not verbally, but uh, we're in order one and three, oh and four, two and two, three and one and four and oh in that order. <laughs> and I I thought that they'd be right around five hundred with these four games that we just finished and the five upcoming, which include two against Oklahoma City, two against Portland, and one against Orlando. Now for that for that to happen now you know, they'd have to go, uh, even if they went two and three against five teams that are pretty much destined for the lottery, Portland being perhaps the outlier. But they, can we can we just hit on how crappy those three teams are right now? I yeah. mean, Port, Portland sounds like the best team. They might be actually the worst team, though. Well, they certainly are in that phase of a franchise that's been at the very least competitive and playoff able for a decade and now are clearly tearing it down. Their, their alpha star is hurt. Their co-alpha guy has been traded. Uh, they do have some excitement about Ant Simons, who, you know, is filling the yeah. CJ McCollum role. But I do think you're right that uh, I, I actually think that probably Oklahoma City <laughs> may be worse. Uh, but they guard. Yeah. They at least guard. Like yeah. they 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 try and they've they've been a group more so for the season. It's like you look at Jason and I were looking at it after the game, and it's like the Blazers are starting Drew Eubanks, who's like 
on a two way. They're starting or not, a 10 day CJ Ellaby, like Trent Wofford. I mean, it, yeah, it reminds that. me, honestly, it reminds me of Wolves teams uh, like post Kevin, Lo- like the end of the season tanking Wolves teams like right. of the past five, six, seven years. I, I It's it's an incredibly easy stretch coming up in, in my opinion, almost almost more so than that Detroit, Detroit sack, sack run that they were, that they had right before the break. I agree. And so, you know, you do have a situation where um, they're now three and one at the very least, they should go three and two, which makes them, you know, six and three in nine games out of the break. Um, They, I will tell you what these four games did for me coming out of the break. It, upped my assessment of this team uh, throughout the season thus far. I was early bullish on the wool on the wolves. I really thought that uh, they were going to be better than most people thought. I was, I, you know, would have bet the over. I put them between 35 and 41 wins. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, it'll be the upper end of that. You know, they'll be right around 500. I never thought, you know, you and I talked about them, the odds of them catching the sixth or fifth, you know, seeded team. I, I dismissed that out of hand. I have to think now, um, you know, they have won these four games, three out of the four games, and the loss was really a loss, but they've won three out of those four games without a meaningful contribution from Anthony Edwards. I know, you know, people like to say he got seven assists in one game and, you know, he got a couple of steals in another, got a little flurry of points in another. But this isn't the Anthony Edwards that we have seen 80% minimum of the time that he, he has been in a Wolves uniform. He has not been himself. Uh, I'm glad that he's copping to this knee thing. Um, it seemed like this weird macho and, uh, on the other hand, kind of tough love deal between uh, player and organization in terms of how this played out. It, it baffled me. Um, and I'm glad there's some clarity. He'll, he'll get some rest. And, and then the onus will be on him coming back well, and uh, it'll be at a good time. I mean, whether it's a week or two weeks from now or whatever, if it's three games from now or two days from now, it'll still be something where he has conceded that what is going on with his body is worth missing games. And he he hadn't really ever conceded that until last night. So, so Britt, I I uh I I was talking with my, my friend who's an athletic trainer today, but he he texted me and he goes, make sure you call it tendinopathy, not tendinitis uh-huh. in the knee, which I I didn't know. And 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 he said that's important because tendinitis is inflammation in the knee. And tendinopathy is collagen degeneration in the knee, uh-huh. which is sounds worse. Which is, it does sound worse, but it isn't necessarily something that, you know, it, it's not, it's not like a critical degeneration like Brandon Roy style or anything like that. But it takes a long time for all of that to regenerate. Is is what what he was saying? He goes, where is it in here? Um, he has what we call jumper's knee. Like 45% of jumping athletes get it at some point. About 50% return pain-free to their prior level within 12 months. 30% takes six months to return, so it lingers. 
that's a little bit more concerning yeah. than what I had been under the impression of. And, you know, again, this is <laughs> this is my 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 friend. This isn't this isn't no, coming from the team, but it's been something that I think the both of us have kind of more so shrugged at or not had enough or for me, I'll just say for me, I haven't felt like I've had enough information exactly. on what is exactly going on with Ant. Um obviously last night him missing a game to some to some extent raises a flag, right? That it's his first game he's actually missed due to injury in his career. It's admitting that he needs rest. So I think again, I don't think this is going to be some sort of terrible thing, but I'm kind of now I'm I'm more I'm more interested to see what happens with the knee now because I think something's going to happen, right? Like they're going to start managing this a little bit more. Well, here's my thought process was, what the hell is going on? I mean, you know, this just doesn't make <laughs> any you. sense, you know? Uh, and then I thought, it's not a big deal because this guy is your crown jewel in 2026, you know? I mean, this is the kind of thing that you, uh, he probably is the most valuable asset on the franchise right now, given you know, stage of his career, what he's shown promise wise, whatever. And to, if it was serious, I thought these guys will be careful with him. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the coach kind of has continually dismissed it in very terse, abrupt terms made me think, you know, they actually think that he, he needs to be even more stoic through this rather right. than less. Um, and then that whole thing, I've said this numerous times, but he came into the middle of Cat's post-game press conference, sat down, said it had been bothering him for six weeks, but now he's fine. He hadn't taken any time off. So you're wondering, oh, he's fine. Well, how, how did, uh, you know, six weeks of playing hurt improve your, your knee, you know? <laughs> and so the whole thing made absolutely no sense to me. And I'm glad that we have something tangible out there that player, if not organization, and I would assume organization, has begun to realize that this is a, a, a factor and it needs to be addressed. So I'm positive with that. I cut this organization a lot of slack because it's been a lot more professional and transparent than previous Wolves organizations. And I, I do think pretty much from top to bottom, or at least close to the top, to the level of the uh, the Pobo anyway, interim Pobo, they they are um, conscientious, smart, relatively careful people. So this is the first uh, shade on that, yeah. on that reputation. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to take a wait and see attitude and see how it pans out. I will say that I don't think it's a coincidence that Anthony Edwards has been a shadow of himself the last three weeks or so, um, especially. But you got to say some of that's mental, though, too. Or yeah. that, that's my assessment. Yeah. It is, but I maybe mental because it hurts, you know. Yeah. It It's some sort of mixture of both. Right. Because there's just some, like, decision-making stuff out there, too, that has. I, I just, I mean, man, I just think it's overall fatigue from him, from. I mean, getting drafted less than 500 days ago. Right. I mean, he's played a ton of basketball. Right. Right. And and 
certainly, you know, more in this less than two year period since he's been drafted than any other two year time in, in his life. So it's the like injuries happen right. every single game. The Wolves play right. a team who a player of at or near Anthony's, you know, skill set is is out as well. It's it's just unfortunate. It's one of those injuries that has more of an ambiguous timetable, ambiguous stake. Like you don't it sucks when one of your best players is hurt. You don't know how long they're going to be hurt for. Right. right. Like and that's tough to handle. If if you said a player on the Wolves has jumper's knee, you would say it's either Ant or Vando. That's what you'd say. <laughs> you know, it's right, one of those true. two guys. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's not surprising. Um, and, you know, all we can do now is say glad that it's out in the open. Uh, I actually I tweeted this out last night before the game. The way Jade McDaniels is playing and the opportunity to play him Man. at the small forward position next to Vando and Cat and and you know with his uh his focus right now and, and the confidence he has in his game. Um I'm just I I I I think one of the reasons they won last night was because they had a new rotation. Uh McDaniels clearly sews up uh, an area on defense. That has been lacking. Some of it is ant. Some of it is just the combination of players out there. Um, yeah. So I, I think they are clearly a better defensive team with the five they ran out last night uh, than they were when Ant was in the lineup, healthy or unhealthy, uh, in terms of defense. Right. Right. I, I think to to get just to get back to to the games themselves, like it is still impressive that whatever the group might be, that they've been able to win you know, three of these four games. Uh, I think the Memphis and Golden State games were really good defensively. I thought, you know, the the Cleveland game was, they kind of let go of the rope a little bit. But but again, just generally speaking, that's four solid opponents taking, you know, taking care of three of them. So as much as it's annoying that Ant is out, I'm pretty encouraged by everything else that has transpired in this time from I mean, the bench has been great to Cats. Usage is up. He scored 39 in two of the four games uh, since they played. And D'Angelo Russell, I think, is playing his best offensive basketball of of the entire season. So they're proving to be a team that can weather a little bit more than I thought. I would echo and endorse everything you said. I I th- it is kind of unfortunate that we got off on the ant track, but it's good to deal with it and get rid of it. Um, I, as I said, I I have raised my estimation of what this team is capable of based on these last four games. Um, last night at the game, Britt said to me, "I think I need to reassess. I think this team is better than I thought it was." Yes, that's right. And you've been the highest on the Wolves. The I would say of the group of us the the entire year. Yeah. I mean, I just think that they are a really solid team and I am as much as I love defense, I am impressed that they can win games, not playing good defense. That, uh, the fact that they had a defense that kept them in the hunt in a major way. And in fact, define their identity for the first six weeks to the season. Um, and it is a style that they can still pull out a majority of the time and have it be 
very, very rarely. The Philly game, the one exception, and there was a handful of games, obviously, in that December stretch where the Wolves just go into a fetal position on defense because they're just awful. Uh, that has happened a dozen or more games every season I've covered the Wolves practically. Um, and it's happened maybe half as many this, this year. And the offense is legit. Um, one of the five or six best offenses in the NBA right now. And that was the plan coming in for a successful season, have a top eight to 10 offense and a defense that could hang around in the middle of the pack, be average, and you'd have something. Which, just to, to cut in, that's what they are right now. They are eighth in offense, according to Cleaning the Glass, and 15th on defense. There you go. For the and season. so what, it, what impresses me the most about this team right now is that they've had depth on two levels. They've had depth among their alpha big three, and they've had depth on the bench or in what I would call maybe their six through 11 players. Um, well, that's what allows them to more avenues to win now. I mean, in, in the first half of the season when the defense was great, that's how they won. Yes. Is, Pat is, Bev is and, the, uh, and Vando yep. were, were the heroes. Yeah, just, just getting, getting Scott stops, getting turnovers, particularly turnovers that lead out to points. That's how they won before. Now what you're seeing with them is they sometimes, sometimes, sometimes can win with their defense, but they now have two other ways to significantly move the odds, and that's with the offense just blowing the other team's offense out of the water. And, they, and the, the third now is, I think, the bench that is proving to be something that, I don't know, over these final 20 games, like might be able to win you a, a game or two, and that's... And that's that's what you're looking for, right? Is right. is different sort of parachutes that you can that you can go to rather than just solely being reliant on one area of the game to to win your game. So I, I think I think it is concerning. I don't think the defense is all the way back to where it was. Cat said it's like 85 percent back uh, last night after the game, but if they are at 85, 75 percent of where they were, they've kind of mended that gap with the off or probably mended the gap and more with the offense and what this bench has been able to bring because it's as you said been a top five offense in the league for the past couple months and i don't know maybe the past six weeks it's probably been a top five bench in the league too could be i, I do think that it isn't so much that the defense is bad it's that they are uh not ambushing people anymore I mean, I don't think that's an excuse. I do think that they've been scouted and, and people know, um, mm -hmm. you know, people are a lot more careful. Opponents are a lot more careful with the ball. Um, and you see uh, more deliberation on offense. You see more banging. You see more physicality against uh, these quick, mm -hmm. aggressive players. You see Vando being allowed to take himself out of plays more often, either because they're up faking him or they're letting him go and going against his grain back to the space he just vacated. I mean, there are ways to scout and effectively counter 
the kind of defense the Wolves play, which already has a, a, a very thin margin of error to begin with. And so if you have a situation where you say they're going to fly around, they're going to meet you at the pick and roll, um, that whole dynamic between choosing between the strong corner three and a weak side cut, um, it's really, really hard for the kind of defense they play to, to cover both of those if you have a smart guy the playmaker kind of in the middle of that play, it's just really hard to do because you have to react quickly. It's kind of like an option play in football. You know, I mean, you could stuff the ball carry, you could tackle the quarterback, you could get the pitch, but you can't get all three. And somebody who's right. really smart will go with the one you can't get. And so that's kind of been what's happening to good offenses that play the Wolves defense. Uh, and so what they've tried to do is counterbalance a little more switching, a little more zone, um, and also a little bit more tempered aggression. Uh, and so, you know, I, I mean, I, I've got to say, uh, I'm continually impressed with the fact that Chris Finch comes in and just complains and says, they're not doing this, they're not doing this, they're not doing this. And a week later, it's better. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just good. It, it has been interesting how that's been every issue this season. I'm not that they've perfectly solved any issue, but every issue that has presented itself, Finch has been able to solve in time this right. season. And I, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You would have liked that time to have been shorter right. with a few of a few of the different things, but that, yeah, that is that is big, and that's that's a, I think it is a, a sign of good coaching is that is having the ability to solve the problems as they present themselves over the course of the year because they change, right? Right. The the landscape of difficulties evolves over the course of the season, any season, any team, as as dynamics change, as you get scouted, as some of your players play better, play worse, this and that, and yeah, absolutely credit to Finch on on, a, on adjusting to those sort of things. I think we've been waiting on this last adjustment. Right. And and I was and I still doubt I was it. Kind of I, doubt, I doubt yeah. it a little bit. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I continue to believe. Mm -hmm. I mean, since January 5th, I looked it up for this mailbag I did. Um, their offensive rating is 117.7 points per 100 possessions since January 5th. I mean, that's really good. That's uh, seven weeks. Um, mm -hmm. actually eight weeks, uh, all of January and all of February. And so that's, that's not... exactly the offensive rating of the Utah jazz this season, which is the best offense in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, and so you have a situation where, uh, as I said, depth, Anthony Edwards has won you games this year where he just blows people away. And, you know, while it is not a all, every time thing or even a frequent thing, it is also something that he is capable of if he's not paid attention to. Angelo Russell has been just a king of crunch time. Um, he's had a couple of games where what he wants to do has gotten a little bit out of hand. His uh, reach has uh, not, uh, you know, not matched his ambition. But for the most part, when he decides to take over in crunch time, it's a good thing for this team. Uh, Jim Pete said something on the uh, broadcast the other night about he's got literally 
twice as many clutch points as the next guy. I think it's 78 to 39 or something. Uh, so you've got a guy that's your playmaker who can rise to the occasion when it matters. And then you've got your best player doing whatever the coach asks him to do. Even things where, you know, the guy just won a three-point contest. He's top seven in career true shooting percentage. And Chris Finch wants him to, to be a decoy sometimes and lure people away to open up lanes or to uh, move the ball around a little bit better. And he's been able to do it. And I know, you know, we listen to Cat after the games and everything. And he is a pleaser. He wants to please everybody. He wants to please the media and so on and so forth. But the bottom line is he is sublimating some of the things he does best to do what the team does best. And and right. that that's so that's real depth among your top three. You have three guys, very different personalities very different skills and they are all on occasion doing really extraordinary things to help you you know put some games in your bag and then the the beta depth Jalen Noel like wins a handful of games J Mac wins a handful of games Torian Prince Torian Prince wins yeah. you know and they rotate you know some are good some are bad all of a sudden the guy I labeled as the biggest disappointment the season two months in, Jade McDaniel suddenly has become again that guy who is a huge asset. Somebody who's well, and then the feeling. second biggest disappointment was Malik Beasley. Right. And he's shooting forty eight percent from three on crazy high volume over the, the past month. So it is it is really it's depth. Yeah. I mean, it's something it's where and that's why um it feels more sustainable than I imagined. And that's why I'm saying that mm. I have to kind of revise my opinion. Now, obviously playoffs are a whole different animal. If sure. they happen to, yet. if they happen to get in a position where they play a Clippers team that has some personnel back uh, and they're a physical big team uh, and they lose that first play in and happen to get LeBron James you know, fighting for that scrap of legacy, you know, as a play-in team, uh, that's yeah. that's that's a mean ass uh, pairing uh, to get into the playoffs to begin with to earn the right to play like Phoenix or Memphis or Golden State. So let me mix in a quick break here, sure. Britt, and then uh, and then we'll be back to we, we can come back and continue talking about this. Today's show is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions. As I've mentioned before, 20 by 20 Solutions is a Minneapolis-based consultancy that works with growing organizations to create and sustain success. Whether it's technology, workflow, platform architecture, or more, they'll help you build a strategy that fits your goal and execute a plan that fits your resources. This basketball season, 20 by 20 has partnered with Begin Anew, a Minnesota-based nonprofit focused on helping people in their journeys to recover from addiction, providing support and conversation, to people throughout the process of recovery. 20 by 20 is sponsoring a donation campaign through the ScoreSide platform where you can tie your giving automatically to every rebound the Timberwolves grab this season. Go to 20by20solutions.com slash begin to install the ScoreSide app and look for the Rebounds for Recovery campaign and join the campaign. Support your team and your community with every board for the rest of the season by going to 20by20solutions.com slash begin. 20 by 20 solutions, your sixth man on a winning team. 
All right, we are back with Britt Robson of of Men Post talking here about the the things that have enticed us out of the All Star break and the the four games the Wolves have played uh, wins against Memphis, Cleveland, and Golden State blowout loss against Philadelphia. We outside of the amp part uh, there there in the open, Britt. We were we were talking about all these things that have been encouraging over this this four game stretch. Is there anything? Um, I don't know if, if the right word is concerning, but anything you kind of have your eye on that needs to be tweaked here in this next sort of interim five to 10 game run with this Wolves team? I'm waiting for a Pat Bev absence, um, mm. which I think has been a fairly depressing. a fairly routine aspect of his last three or four years in the league. The, the intensity with which he plays, the fact that he tries to draw charges, the fact that that low swipe that he does requires amazing quickness and flexibility on a body that has just been through the wars. I think he's 33 years old, 34. Um, he's had groin issues. He's had ankle issues, the kinds of things that are wear and tear issues. Uh, he plays six eleven guys on a, you know, against Cleveland the other night. He's, you know, he's going up against, uh, and he was actually, probably their best option because guys that um, oh, he was guys that he play was. guys that use their bodies below the waist to get their shots off are he takes that out of them he crowds below the like waist. A nose tackle with it yeah <laughs> i mean he just he's he's a feisty son of a bitch and so <laughs> but as a result he gets hurt, and so, or if he, if he Brit, doesn't get hurt, he gets worn out. Aren't they in the best position they have been all season to take an injury? Yes, uh, which is why Ant is not missed at the moment. Now, Ant. Right. Well, Bev, I'm just thinking, even Pat Bev out, you can. Well, I guess you're right if you have both of them out. But if Ant's back and Pat Bev's out, then you can still start Jaden. Yeah, like yeah, and you can get Noel off the bench who. Really was encouraging last night. Um, he was feeling himself out in games a little bit too much. And, you know, it's my mistake. I look at him and go, and the same way I looked at J-Mac when he first got off the bench after a fairly long hiatus. You say, why aren't they immediately demonstrating that they belong in the rotation? You know, mm-hmm. and it's because they haven't really played actual NBA competition with the clock really running. It's not practiced. It's not stimulated. And that level of intensity takes time to ramp up. And so the fact that he did get a little burn in the previous two or three games and, and, and was ready this time right away. And the fact that he came in the, and he was plus 14 in like seven minutes in his first stint. And then in his second stint, I mentioned it last night, talking to Finch. Um, the Wolves were down. I mean, they were up four, and they were, had, you know, comfortable double digits for a while. And it just felt, what do you know? You know, Steph Curry's going to roar this team back. And uh, and Noel kept the ball, was the de facto point guard, even though I think uh, McLaughlin was on the floor at the time. And uh, dribble penetration. The first one was kind of a, I'd call it a floater, except it was more of a liner, but it went right in the basket. Second one, he did the exact same thing, 
kicked it out to Beasley, right where Beasley, Beasley, yep. right where Beasley likes it for three. Suddenly, a four point game is a nine point game, which at that time, I think there's like two minutes left in the third quarter or something, or whatever. It just felt like a huge. Sorry, I just lost you there for a second, but I, but I, 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 I saw just, myself freeze on the screen. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think we're back. I think we're All back. Right. Good. No, I I I love like the the Jalen Noel possessions where he catches it on the perimeter are like hydrating, you know, where, right, right. where it's this it's this ability to kick it out to someone else on the team who can then catch the ball and penetrate outside of Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. But their penetrations are so they're just a different brand of penetration, right? Because it's like the focal point of the offense. They're getting loaded up on. There's multiple guys there. Exactly. Jalen Noel is always going to be facing single coverage in those situations. So if he can get his first step and he gets past his guy, you know, now he's got that that floater game that you talked about. Now he's able to penetrate as deep as possible until the second defender comes over. It's just something that nobody else on the roster really really has yeah we talked it, about D'Lo getting to the basket a little bit more recently but that's not his you know that's not his game really either and I think you made a really excellent point which is the stealth quotient of that you know yeah. it, it's not if Jalen Noel beats you off the dribble and puts the ball in the basket the team is still saying to itself well he, he might not be able to do that again whereas if Edward, <laughs> Edwards or Cat does it they go yeah good hey point. you know Get on that guy, you know? And so, and once he does it two times or maybe three times or whatever, suddenly that's going to open up things for other people. And and the other guy, I just have to say last night, J-Mac, I mean, his first stint, he was 0 for 3 from the field. I think he only had like one or two assists. Uh, he was but running the score the just show. goes boop, 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 boop. Running the show. He made a dime to uh, Noel he made a steal, and it almost felt like uh, it was like a choreography of a Broadway show. He got the steal, and then like in the same motion, you know, not quite a handoff, not quite a lead pass, but just a, a little flip ahead to a streaking Beasley, who was only like two or three feet away from him when the steal was made. But it was just so in sync, and it was just beautiful basketball. And there's a lot of beautiful basketball that happens when McLaughlin is on the floor. I think Chris Finch, aside from, from Jade McDaniels, Chris <laughs> Finch likes McLaughlin just in terms of, you know, skill aside, just the way he plays basketball is exactly the way Chris Finch wants his offense to be run. And so it's just... Well, and McLaughlin's showing fewer of his, like, flaws. Right. He's finishing. I mean, he's uh, yeah. He's decision making. Guarding his, his defense. Yeah, his defense is. He's he's got a little of that. I don't know if Pat Bev has taught him anything about, um, you know, guarding people. Uh, realistically, head up, even though it looks like you're guarding him from the side. You know, um, <laughs> it's like you're not in front of the guy but you're concentrating on his forward motion. You're not shading him one way or another. You're expecting him to try to go by you. And when he does try to go by you, you're ready for it. That's what Pat Bev does all the time. And it feels like McLaughlin has, has gotten some of that. Um, you know, where McLaughlin's a good athlete. 
Like, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like we, like, forget that sometimes for right. small people. Right. That they can be freak out. I mean, right. you watch Jordan McLaughlin in the layup line. Like, he's able, he's, you know, 5'9", and he's able to throw down dunks. He's one of the fastest players on the team. And he does use that athleticism defensively to evade screens and uses his small figure to evade screens, too. So it a lot of the time ago, like, oh, this guy's so small, they can't guard anyone. Well, they can't guard wings. Right. But you can be that small and guard a point guard. Right. And and, you know, that's why you saw him handle, you know, stuff as well as you can step Steph. curry around for 18 minutes mm-hmm. you know yeah i agree exactly that's 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 huge I, have you have you seen looked at the just net rating numbers recently with this team <laughs> no it it's okay so the philly so, game must it, have really killed it though well are you went no, did just, you go I'm clean about individual. Glass? No, I went. I went individual okay. no this was just nba.com just oh i see February individual 1st. right yeah j mac yeah yeah, J Mac was what I was. I was just like, you know, he's plus. Is he plus twenty? Yeah. He so so the best Timberwolves starter in net rating since February first is Anthony Edwards. He's plus three uh, in net rating. Cats like plus point two. Delo's even negative in that time, and Jordan McLaughlin is plus thirteen point four. Yeah. And and the next four best individual net ratings on the guys. team in that time. Are all bench guys, right. including Nas, it's, probably. It is. It's uh, <laughs> it's Torian Prince is next at seven. Nas and Jaden McDaniels are both plus five point four, and Malik Beasley's plus five. Uh, just a comp- they've been demonstrably more successful with the bench players on the floor than with the starters on the floor since February first. Right, and a lot of that has to do with slow starts by the starters. Um, 100%. And, and that is what's kind of cool is that um, the bench gives them the lift and the starters, you know, reassert themselves. Um, I think the Beasley thing was it was so nice that he missed the Philly game. It totally it it's totally helped. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, that guy is missed. <laughs> yeah, no, me too, man. I'll cop to it like I'm. I'm on here. I feel like every other game I'm going through and I'm like, oh, Beasley shot too many threes, one for nine again. But then you look at it in the aggregate and I just have to keep reminding myself this, that like at that volume, you cannot expect 40 percent like right. for the season. And and when you know, when he does I remind myself, you know, that is really exceeding expectations. I went through it. He's on the season in three point attempts per 100 possessions. Malik Beasley's third in the NBA. It's Steph Curry, um, number two. It's Steph Curry, Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson, Beasley. No, now it's uh, Bertans and Jordan Clarkson. Those are the top five. <laughs> and the only of the of the top five, the only player who has a better three point percentage on the season of that group is Steph Curry. Uh-huh. Beasley's nice. the second best, right. third in volume in the league this season. And of those top players, top five of them, you know. He's he's second in it. So it's it's been this experience with, with Malik Beasley this season. I don't want to like take away from it, but what what he's it's just you just have to think about it a little bit differently. Right. With with him in, in terms of three point shooting this year, because the role is so unique, but it is such an important part of this bench. It is their upside. That that's the way I've been putting it. It's they they can't 
that bench can't scrap you back seven points when they get into the game if they don't have Malik Beasley. It's those threes are a requirement. What are you gonna do? You're just gonna run like 15 Nas and J Mac pick and rolls? Like right. you just have you have limited options to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, well, Prince has to get hot. I mean, Prince, but that that isn't guaranteed by any mm-hmm. means, right? No, I agree. I, I I think that that is another function of depth. Is that we, I think, have begun to, or I should say, me, just to be fair, um, take the long view and understand that just because somebody isn't playing well for three or four games and somebody else is playing really well for three or four games, that is not the new status quo. That is the current trend. There's a big difference in that mindset is that. um, It's like what we were talking about with Nate Knight when he was playing. I was like, (laughs) all right. Yeah. Nate Knight did a little bit, but like, yeah, Nate Knight, that was one of my errors. I've, I've always been a Nate Knight guy. He's a little bit too goofy now. Just he's begun to realize what his role is and his role is not to be on the basketball court. So he's gotten a little bit into the Cole Aldridge mode. You know what I mean? About <laughs> just somebody who's just, you know, let me keep it light here. Okogie's the same way, but Okogie was always like Mr. Fist Bump and Handshake and a million yeah. fancy uh, 75 fraternity like code handshakes. He's got that with like four different players, yeah. uh, you know, and, and good for him. I mean, keep him, you know, engaged. But I do. I think that engagement part has been maybe like one of Finch's most impressive things this season. Incredibly. Is 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 the, like every one of these bench guys we've talked about here pretty much has been yanked from the rotation completely at some point. Torian Prince, Jordan right. McLaughlin, Jalen Noel, like. And Beasley has been um, harped on, you know. Beasley can't have missed the uh, the 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 vibe <laughs> that he was getting from this uh, basketball community. Uh, I mean, people were ready to just cut his ass, you know. Uh, you know, a month and a half into the season, and so yeah, and and, and I said, you know, just to include myself in this blame. If there was anybody at the trade deadline who could be sacrificed without really damaging the team's mojo, I thought it was Beasley. Um, You know, and again, it's a sign, you know, it's part of this podcast theme. It's a sign of a team that has learned sustainability. Um, And the Wolves have come back from some bad places this year and have played some really solid ball, if they happen to drop a couple of games they should win in this easy stretch, so be it. I mean, that's the way the NBA works sometimes. It's, you know, they're not superhuman. But I do... Particularly when you're an average team, it's like the bar here is not... We're not trying to crown them like a top eight team in the league. We're trying to crown them a top eight team in the West. Right. You know? That's right. And and But we also are saying, I'm saying anyway that they they deserve the respect of and they're getting it i mean you know john schumann's you know late, latest rankings have them 13th in the nba which i think is about right you know i, th- I think that they're right in that zone 
of uh, they're in the top half of NBA teams this year. And I don't think anybody comes here to Minnesota and is like, oh, this is a game to get right. 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 Which has been the status quo, you know, exactly forever. I I think any team, I mean, Philadelphia even included, like they come here and they go like, no, we got to play to beat the Wolves. Right. And and a lot of that, again, not because the Wolves are perfect, but they do have this talent and they do have a couple of different ways that they can beat you. Like they're getting it's getting hard to turn off all of the Wolves faucets, even if none of them are like fire hydrants. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. It, it's, they are well coached. First of all, they are deep. They have a variety of ways to be effective. Um they have a combination of people who are on the court simply because they play marvelous defense and some people on the court who, if you don't pay attention to them um, or you don't have the matchup, Golden State just did not have a matchup for Cat last night. And that, I mean, it's hard to get so reductive, but as good as the bench was, I, they were going to have a really hard time beating the Wolves once Cat discovered that nobody could really stay with him. Um, and so that, that that's something new for this team. Um, and it it's, above all, they have earned the kind of chemistry. When I asked Chris Finch, because, you know, Flip Saunders is something I've always remembered and have said many times, Flip Saunders defined chemistry as, an appropriate pecking order when the players know that the one, two, three guys in the locker room or whatever are the one, two, three guys, you know, who deserve it. Nobody is elevated. Couldn't we just do the pecking order so easy right now? It's, it's the big three, obviously cat at the top of that. And then the next part of the pecking is is, Pat Bev Bev is like an adjunct, you know, Pat Bev is kind of like, um, he's kind of like the Dean, and you're, you know, you're, you're looking at the, uh, you know, the principal and the assistant principal. And Pat Bev is like, uh, the dean doesn't get involved in everything, but he talks about everything, you know. So he's the authority. He's yeah. the authority. <laughs> and so, and and so, yeah, you have that. Uh, I think it it is getting a little harder to figure out exactly the pecking order. Now, yeah, that's true. Vando's know, going off a little bit. And McDaniels, McDaniels is rising. I mean, right now. Chris Finch favors Jade McDaniels over Jared Vanderbilt. And we have learned more and more over the course of the season. If you don't score, you don't play long in, in Finch's offense. Uh, And so it's, it's something that it's, you know, it's hard for me to accept. Okogie's one of my favorite players, Uh, but you can't argue with results. And I, I do think he has more faith in, McDaniels guarding bigs or bigger, you know, brawnier wings and power forwards than I do. But um, he also had a lot of faith in the broadening out of McDaniels game that I didn't respect. And lo and behold, the three point catch and shoot, the catch and shoot three pointer is the worst part of McDaniels offense now. I mean, even his handle is better than his catch and shoot. And so the off the the off the dribble game has been so fun to watch. 
from McDaniels he, recently. Yeah, and and he's also in the dimes. He's starting to see the floor. He's starting to yeah. play, you know, play loose. And uh, three months ago, he was a shell. He was, you know, making 18% of his threes and had more fouls than field goals. Uh, you know. <laughs> fouls haven't gone away, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It, that that part's crazy with it, man. So, so many fouls. It's like every game. Like what? Well, the team in general. Um, and if you play that kind of scrappy style, uh, you're going to get the fouls. And Cat, let's face it, is a foul-prone guy. Although I did look. Cat's third in the league in total fouls this year, and Jaden's fourth. Yeah, and Cat usually is first, so that's that's a <laughs> that's an accomplishment. Uh, uh, Brett, let me let me get sure. one more break in here, and we'll come back for a, a final segment. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, back again with Britt Robson of Min Post. Final segment today's show. Wolves have two games off here before they go to Oklahoma City on Friday, back against the Blazers on Saturday. Britt, what do we just what do you just make of this this upcoming run? I know we I know we touched on how poor of a schedule it is, but you're looking at a situation here where I'm not saying they're going to win all five of these next five, but it's certainly not out of the question. Um, At the end of an NBA season, the cream rises and the soot falls, you know, and teams do go on, on, you know, six, seven game winning streaks. I I guess how, how likely 
do you think it is that the Wolves end up winning this these next five or four or five of them? And then if they do, where will you be in your head if if they are on a seven-game winning streak like 10 days from now? I think there's about a 40 to 50% chance they go 5-0. and Wow. I really do. I mean, part of it is nobody has any illusions. Uh, Wolves fans should know this whole tenor of the Wolves' upcoming opponents well. They are going to emphasize how the kids are playing. Simons is going to get a lot of press and a lot of hype in Portland and deserved. I mean, he's been fabulous. But how Simons plays is going to be more important to that fan base than if the Blazers win or lose. In fact, they may already be figuring lottery balls, you know. And so OKC has been in that mode ever since they, you know, divested everybody. You know, from from Chris Paul on down, you know, they have been stockpiling and they're in stockpile mode, uh, which isn't to say you're correct that they do have some gamers, you know, Lou Dort. Uh, My boy. But uh, and, and, you know, and SGA has not had the great season that you might have expected, but he's also, you know, they, they've got some pieces, Gidney. Um, and Orlando, I think his. They've had, you know, I I don't know. Maybe it's just that I've caught them on league pass in games where they've been frisky. But uh, Cole Anthony has sustained a pretty good season. And Suggs, his numbers don't look good, but he is a hustler and he is somebody who really gets after it in a lot of ways and can be a stat sheet filler, I think, someday. Um, so, I haven't watched much of them recently. I in, in, you know, in a few weeks now with the All-Star break, I wonder they just got Markel Fultz back last night. Right. You know? Yeah, who knows and I how wonder, that will go. But again, that, that'll be the situation where they will that's kind of their priority is how who fits where and how they fit, you know. But I, I'm wondering if it could be some of that like kind of like the Wolves for the final twenty games of last season. Like maybe hmm. Orlando wants to kind of get a look, right? Right, right. At, right. At their their guys, you know their guys playing together before they they reassess. I know I know that's down down the line. I think that's the fifth game of these these next five. I I think what my prediction is is that they're going to beat Portland both times, beat Orlando, and lose to Oklahoma City once. I think that's entirely possible, and that's why it's a fifty to sixty percent chance that I say they don't win all five. If it <laughs> if it isn't, you know, um, I I think. There may be a game. Portland still has some talent, you know, and I, I do think they're dispirited. I and I have never been really high on Billups as a coach, um, but you know, they, they and and they really did. They they dumped players. I mean, it isn't even like yeah. they were making. They weren't making value trades. They were making cap clearing trades, and that right. can really hurt you. Um, that's worse than trading for young players and then moving them in because those guys would know um, they are purposefully strip mining this team to go after big names this summer. Um, so their mode it is a little bit different. On the other hand, Simons and Nurkic alone are probably better than any pair that, you know, okay. Yeah. OKC or, um, 
or Orlando has right now. So, no, that that that's that's fair. Um, where where does this? Okay, so the Wolves are thirty as we record this on Wednesday afternoon. The Wolves are thirty four and twenty nine, um, in the seventh seed, and they are three games behind Denver, who is thirty six and twenty five, and then they're three and a half games behind Dallas, who's 37 and 25. I'm I'm trying to figure out what the number is here, mm-hmm. you know, of like, because those teams just keep winning too, as the, as the Wolves keep winning, you know, so today it's, it's kind of the, that the cream rises sort of thing. Like these te- teams, you're going against other teams that are trying to make the, the push for the same thing that you are. Right. right. So, so they're just going to be, I mean, I just think Dallas and Denver are almost certainly going to win more than half their games the, you know, the the rest of the way here. So to me, it feels like you almost have to win four of these next five or all five of the next five to get into it. I mean, it's you're three behind Denver with only 19 to go. Right. You kind of like how many of these final 19 games do the Wolves have to win to get the six seed? That's a good question. I mean, I, I do think a lot of it has to do with the inevitable variables like injuries, you know, where the back to backs happen if they happen. But what is the, what's the what's the number? I mean, like, do they have to go 15 and four? Well, 15 and four right now would give them 49 wins. <laughs> That's a lot of wins. I know. I, I'm just trying to think about it. Like, you got to make up three. Put it this way. So... If they go 15 and four. Uh, I think they will make the six seed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then Dallas would then Dallas would go twelve and nine, and they'd have them by a game. Um, I mean, fifteen and four. Right now, I think. Yeah, no, like, I, I'm not saying they're gonna uh, go fifteen they like, and four. I'm just, like, I'm just trying to figure it out. I, I think they're like seventeen and nine or something over their last twenty six. So you know, fifteen and four yeah. is not absurd, but. It I also, know, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's yeah. The Wolves know. are six and four over their last ten, and Dallas and Denver are eight and two over their last ten. Uh huh. Um, well, and I will tell yeah. you that uh, Porzingis losing Porzingis was uh, turned out to be a good thing for Dallas. Um, Luca, call by you. It, well, I mean, I and I. The reason I was smart about that is because I've loved Porzingis for a long time. I, I thought he was the best rim protector in basketball when he played in New York, um, mm-hmm. as did Anthony Edwards, as it turned out. But um, <laughs> I, he doesn't like to play. He doesn't like to play in the ways he plays best. He's one of these guys who's seven six and really wants to be a shooting guard. Seven six? I think he is. I think he's seven six. No, he's not seven six. He's seven four then. I don't don't know. I think he he might be seven six. He looks like somebody who just nobody thinks Christoph Porzingis is seven (laughs) six. That's like Georgie Mershan. No, that Sean Bradley was seven six. Mershan was seven seven. He's not as big as Sean Bradley. He's close. <laughs> right. I, they, so they, let's say they're playing great, four. though. They let's are they seven, are playing four. great. Yeah, I think he's seven two. Right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> when when is uh when is Murray coming back? Well, there's been some reporting. I think it's uh, they're saying Porter's going to come back first, like late March is kind of the yeah. Date I don't care about that. At. 
Porter is not. Then, he doesn't move the needle for me. Murray will, though. Well, obviously, Murray will move it more. Um, but that it sounds like he's even later than that. So it might actually be like playoffs <laughs> that Murray comes back for. So yeah. that so they would, really I don't think Murray's going to have a play-in game. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and but at the same time, he's not going to provide any sort of, I don't think you can estimate an extra one or two or three win boost from the Nuggets because they have Murray coming. Right. I just don't right. think right. that's going to happen. The thing is, is they're already playing well above 500 ball without him. But they the don't, they don't really defend well. that well, you know. True. And so. But again, we're talking about being average. We're talking about getting the sixth seed. Yeah, I know. Dallas, uh, I think the odds of getting past Dallas are much, it isn't just the half game either. Dallas is a much better team, a much sounder team than Denver. I think Denver is a better coach. I like Malone more than I like um, Jason yeah. Kidd. But mm -hmm. um, I just think Luca and, uh, I, you know, guys like Brunson and, and, and guys like Kleber and Powell, they're, they're, they're kind of shock troops. You know, they're guys that are, that come in and play hard a lot. Uh, Dallas doesn't strike me as the kind of team that is easily, uh, they're not prone to three or four game losing streaks. I don't think now watch, they will uh, to go into that now that I said it. <laughs> but, but no, that's what we're talking about is like this idea that one of Dallas or Denver can go like eight and 12 the rest of the way. I just don't, Think that's going to happen, and even if they do, that means the Wolves have to go like uh, twelve and eight, right? Right, which is still not twelve and seven. Easy. You know? right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And right now, on the other hand, if they sweep, then it's seven and seven. They have to play five hundred ball. Mm -hmm. That's true. Which again, yeah, we both we both think is a is a very real possibility. The one other kind of like standings update this week has been that. Memphis has crawled all well. Yeah, no, you're right too. The Clippers are only one and a half behind the Wolves. If the Wolves, you know, mess up this easy five game run, they will find themselves in the eighth seed. Um, but at the top two, now Memphis is only a half a game behind Golden State. I had pretty much penned in Phoenix one, Golden State two, Memphis three. But now it, it could be a situation where, you know where it's just Memphis outright in the two. And so if the Wolves are the seven, that's who that's who they would end up right. drawing. So I guess it the motivation though for the six was never completely about Memphis. No. I'd rather skip the I think so. Would you rather skip the play in and play Golden State? Or yeah. have to play play the play in and get to play Memphis. I think the play in. I, I just got through saying my yeah. worst case scenario. I mean, New Orleans actually with with McCullough and the way Valanciunas plays against Cat are a dangerous opponent as well. But mm -hmm. I've got to think that the Clippers and the Lakers playing for their lives in a one game postseason is yeah. not you just something that by all means not something the Wolves want to contemplate. Um, what 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 about the like? What do you just feel about the Golden State matchup for a playoff series? Hard to say what they're going to be like. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like all these teams. 
you hear that Murray. Well, it's just interesting back. coming off of last Wiseman, night, right? Is Wiseman coming? Where's Clay? Yeah. Where's, uh, you know, Draymond. Draymond was supposed to be, I guess he's practicing with the team now. Um, who knows? And who knows what they're like? When Are they going to hit the ground running? Uh, Draymond seems like the kind of guy, and Clay does too, for that matter. If they're on the court, they're going to be dangerous. They're not going to need a lot of time because what they do is kind of old man basketball anyway. And they're also so familiar with the system and know what they do well in that system. Um, well, and Draymond's going to be guarding Cat. That's what's going to be so, like, the Wolves have played the Warriors well all four times. Yes. They played them this year. I mean, the one time, you know, Wiggins went off and, you know, they, they lose that one. But, like, they haven't, right, Draymond hasn't played in any of the games. Right, right. So, you know, yeah, Cat's killed Kevon Looney because for some reason Steve Kerr, like, refuses to double-team Cat. I don't, I don't get right. that. But, Besides the point in that playoff series, if Cat's about to be chilling up top trying to go get to his driving game, that's going to be a hell of a lot harder if Draymond's on him out there, right? Than Kevon Looney or Jonathan Kaminga. So I found myself like, you know, as the Wolves got up by like eighteen or whatever last time, I'm like, ah, uh, you know, I maybe Golden State is the better option. You don't have to deal with Memphis's offensive rebounding. And then I was like, okay, no, they, like, look who's in the game right now for Golden State. Like this isn't. It isn't what Golden State will look like come playoffs. Like, we don't know how good Draymond and all them will be, but 70% Draymond guarding Cat on the perimeter is just far superior to Kevon Looney doing what he's been doing. And I will tell you another factor when you look at Memphis Wolves as a possible postseason matchup. I think it's hard to underestimate overestimate, excuse me. I don't think, I think it's hard to overestimate how much Pat Bev is hated around the league um, and how much John Morant is loved. And so I think if you have a situation where Pat Bev is going through all, know, a all rough of, conspiracy theory here, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think it's something where Pat Bev goes through all his shenanigans and, you know, we love him because he's on our team. Uh, but going against John ja Morant, who's like a slight ant on him, Put a slight superstar, you know, you have to cut him off. I mean, that's the why. I don't they, know. Do, remove slight. Memphis remove well. slight. Ja is just a superstar. Oh, he is. He is. But Pat Bev has the formula, you know, which is just to quietly mentally and physically beat the shit out of them and i think well i i think it's huge to be able to throw different things at them like yeah. you could throw you could throw pat bev on jaw you could throw Jaden on jaw when and it then matters you saw what when, yeah yeah when it matters though um you want pat bev on 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 jaw moran and what yeah, is, i'm talking about 48 minutes though yeah like I, it's such a difference it's such a difference that when it's a switch or it's a different lineup yep. If Jaw is now going against Malik Beasley, right, versus yeah. Jaden McDaniels, you know what I mean? Right, that, right, like right. that—that's a—that's a huge. It, that's why it matters. That's the depth thing. Right. I've been saying depth the whole yep. time. I agree. The depth of the ability to guard has been one of the the greatest surprises of this team. Is it, Jared Vanderbilt too being able to be a wing right. defender? I mean, Jesus Christ! Think about the past five, six years. Agree. I can I can list the wing defenders on what. 
competent wing defenders on one hand. One of them's on this team right now. It's Josh Ngogi, who doesn't play. Right. You know, that shows you how much this team is leveled up in terms of ability to guard on the perimeter. Exactly. But what I'm talking but. about is playoff narratives. And when playoff narratives catch hold, uh. they become a thing. You know, they get talked about. The national media is sitting around talking about it. The casual fans or the diehard fans from Memphis get invested. Um, and Pat Bev is a lightning rod. All I'm saying is a, uh, an idea of pitting evil Pat Bev against, you know, shining star Ja Morant is a mem that writes itself meme i guess i mean to say don't i yeah. <laughs> i didn't know where you were going with that i thought it was, yeah, i thought yeah. that was one of your words that yeah I yeah there you go yeah um <laughs> it was one of my words one of my mispronunciations um but it you is also called josh giddy josh gidney earlier oh okay gidney yeah like the oh. pickles <laughs> There's always a reason why I say something. That's a that's a really good reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, I who would you rather play? Who would you rather the Wolves play? My frame is what in, what would be the better basketball? Because I don't care. I mean, if the Wolves win the series or lose the series, I'm I'm much more interested in just really memorable basketball. And I do think that. Um, the way that they would have to beat Memphis and the what Memphis would have to do to beat Minnesota is a far more interesting and fun series. Don't you think the, the, story, the story, too, would be if they beat Golden State, that it would be that Golden State. It would be all it about away. Golden State. Yeah. Yep. It would be all about the decline of a dynasty rather than the rise of a good team. Right. If they beat Memphis, uh, they'll get credit for it. And it'll also be it. You know, obviously, I've watched the Wolves twice as much as I've watched any other NBA team this year. But I will say that if I were a casual NBA guy watching all 30 teams and a Memphis-Minnesota first-round matchup came on, that would be probably my favorite series. Right. They're right up there. You know, that's a really cool first-round matchup. So for all those reasons, because I was going to, you know, go through the all the ways I think Memphis uh, really offensive rebounding. The Wolves have been terrible on the defensive glass, and Memphis. Memphis will have Dylan Brooks back probably. Yeah. Uh, they just they're a really good team, and uh, but I think it'd be a more fun series, and and in some weird way a more competitive series. I actually think that the Wolves. Um, have an equal chance to beat Golden State as they do Memphis, uh, just because I think Golden State, aside from Steph Curry, has a lot of questions. And so, um, you know, but all that said, I agree. Memphis, a Memphis series would be wonderful, whether it's 2 7 or 3 6. Um, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. I, it is very obvious, though. At this point in time, that the Wolves' worst case scenario, barring some absurd um, run, 
by a team below them that isn't the Clippers. The worst case scenario is an eight seed losing to the Clippers in the seventh seed and then having to go play mm -hmm. probably the Lakers, but maybe the Pelicans in, in a one game and, and with all kinds of pressure on them to suddenly have this wonderful season uh, be reduced to two losses in the play, uh, I think would be, it, that's the worst case scenario. And, and that is still, you know, that's, that's as viable as getting to six, in my opinion. There was a, Britt wrote a column that's up at Mim Post right now. It's a, it's a mailbag. And I thought, um, I think it was the first question actually in the mailbag was, was, was interesting. And the way you responded to it was interesting was, was somebody asking about improving the defense, but specifically improving what can they do to improve the defensive rebounding? Obviously we know they've been dead last in defensive rebounding the, the entire series or the entire season. So for you, as we as we talk about the Memphis series, we talk about these final games of the year. What what can they do to avoid those twenty five plus offensive rebounding games that they seem to have every every so often? And they did against Memphis. Turn the people over more. I mean, that really is the best solution. Unfortunately, um, if you play to get rebounds, you don't play your best defense. Yeah, um, and I. I, believe me, it was a question I thought about a lot. And, and and as a result, I think I my first response is like 500 words. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, you know what I mean? <laughs> this mailbag is going to be absurd. But I realized it, uh, it required a lot of context because the Wolves can play drop and they can play a lot of switching that doesn't involve quite so much aggression. Um, and they can play zone. They have options. But their best defense is the low man uh, defense. And it is the defense, especially if people pay attention to Vando, um, is a defense where the Wolves get killed on the glass a lot. And so the gamble always is force a turnover or a pressurized shot clock miss. Um, before they have a chance to get a shot off and people in position to get a rebound. Because part of it is, obviously, if you're scrambling, you don't box out. You can't do two things at once. Right. You, can't be, you can't be closing out hard to the corner or the perimeter. You can't be doubling down hard on the strong side or go from weak to strong side, strong to weak side. You can't be doing all those things and naturally getting yourself in position to get the rebound. And so then the other thing about that is, because the Wolves have been very good on shots at the rim uh, in terms of defending, considering how many offensive rebounds they give up, but they're also dead last in the amount of free throws they give up. They're not always last in fouls. In fact, they're not, you know, in terms of ratio of free throws to fouls, they probably have one of the worst ratios in the league. Mm -hmm. And it's because they foul people who have gotten an offensive rebound a lot of the time. Right. And so that's another downside of this whole defensive rebounding lapse. But they have made this, you know, system. Um, I find it interesting. I did this story on assistant coach Mike Honori, 
And I asked Finch, it didn't get into the piece, but where philosophically are probably your biggest disagreements, you and Nori? And one of the first things he said was he would play more drop coverage. Hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of wonder why that isn't more in Finch's bag. And I understand it. I think that when you start to do that, you give people an out. And the same thing with switching. Finch does not want to give people an out, uh, an excuse within the context of the team where these kinds of slight lapses get buried in the team play of it all. Right. And so he wants people to be accountable and he wants to know who is hustling, who is doing the right thing on low man, who is not. And so I think that's one of the reasons he does not do drop. The other one being, of course, that he has gotten, a, you know, we just got through talking about what a team player Cat has been. I think Cat is eternally grateful for the fact that he's been able to prove to people. Right. We thought, oh, there goes Cat again, you know, saying that I can guard on the perimeter. And I've been always good at guarding people. Yeah, sure, Cat. But there he was. I mean, he 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 has not been, he's not a great defender, let's face it, but he is not a bad defender uh, on the pick and roll out there. And that system has helped. He's also fabulous when he does ever get the defensive rebounding. This is something that should get mentioned much more often. He's one of the best outlet passers in terms of speed. He kicks the pace up so well. That's true. That is, that's a huge change in his game from like three years ago. He never did that under Tibbs nearly as much. I think the, the answer is kind of what they've been doing. It's to, to improve the defensive rebound. And you're going to have to do a couple different things coverage wise. But the biggest player wise thing is the guards it's just got to be the guards they got to come and and they have at times and it's one reason pat bev is you know yeah pat bev is good at it i I think you're seeing d'lo kind of sandwich a little more it's one reason i really like Jaden at the three because then he becomes he switches from being the box out guy to the go get it guy you know coming in from the wing a little bit more often i i think um i think there's not an answer to this problem because it's a personnel problem more than anything. Yep. So you're looking for you're looking for small adjustments that anything that makes you better than the worst defensive rebounding team in the league. I think the the, the surface level like very basic options are play drop more because that keeps cat by the rim to to re- rebound his zone more often or to just play zone because you generally speaking right. play zone more often but you know, we we talk about the high wall having been scouted. It it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, if you're going to play zone. If you play zone for three weeks, that's going to get scouted too, and you're gonna you're gonna pick that apart. And we've got six years of cat and drop being picked apart. So, I mean, it's it's this thing that I understand people really want to be fixed because you want your team to win, and it's what they're worst at. <laughs> right, I'm right. just saying it's not. I. I think it's I'm preparing myself to be frustrated in a playoff series when they lose one or two of the games almost exclusively because they gave up 20 plus offensive rebounds, especially against Memphis, especially. Yeah, especially against Memphis. It'll be, it might be three times against right. them, you know, and it's just. As, as exceeding expectations as this year has been um, as enjoyable just in general as it's been. 
I think for me personally, the biggest like gear grinder is is when I just is when this happens is when they get offensive, right. then they get just killed physically because it was a choice to set your team up in this way with this personnel. Yes. You you signed up for this. You just signed up for it. Yes. And and exactly. And it will just be it will be different. It will be it will be different next season. Um, they will not have a roster put together in this sort of way, whether it's Gupta or whether it's somebody else. Nobody's going to look at the 2021, 20, 22 Wolves and say, nope, we got enough size, you know. <laughs> right. like, or broad. I yeah, mean, even yeah. more than size, they just don't have guys that move people out of the way, unless they're Pat right. Bev, you know. Um, so before we go, another question I got to ask, and, and this was, you, you were much more able to answer this than I was, but you weren't writing the, the mailbag. So, um, but people asked, you know, who would be that 15th roster spot? So I went, you know, to real GM or whatever, whatever site it was and looked up guys, Cody Zeller's out there. He He's an interesting figure for 15th slot, isn't he? Yeah. Um, what is his, I, I saw you put him in there and my first thought was, isn't he injured? I, he's, he got cut. I don't know. Why would Portland, they cut him? Yeah. If he, I mean, he, he's making two, three, you know, but he, two million three. Yeah. Well, that, and he got dumped. Um, I think he, you know, uh, he got dumped, you know, earlier this month. I mean, well right. now February, but you know, um, anyway, let's say that he's healthy or let's say sure. that he's, you know, worked his way back. He strikes me as somebody who is that middle ground, you know, of Kinda. somebody you might be able to work with, you know. Yeah. He's six ten. I also and he and he, he's mobile. Somewhat. He played predominantly played drop his his whole his whole career. But not I mean not DeAndre Jordan or sure. you know Moses Brown kind of uh, I, I just think we're at the point where um this is what it is. Uh, even mm-hmm. if they, even if they sign somebody, they're not going to play in the playoffs. Um, this is this is the bet that they've made, and and it's sometimes a nice bet when you're getting turnovers. It's you know it's yep. it's fine, and when they exactly. like the Golden State game when the when the rebounding isn't as much of an issue, it's fine. But um, th- this is just I-, I talked about this on one of the recent pods. When, when I think back on this season, and you you go, oh yeah, that the, you know the 2021-22 season, like the two things that will really stick out in my mind from a like what it looked like out there standpoint is offensively, I will think about Cat having the ball in the post and getting doubled by Vando's guy. And I will think about on the other side of the floor, this team's inability to physically contend to to get defensive rebounds. Now that sounds like two very, you know, negative things to associate with the season, but they're just—they're just so glaring. We've—we've we've seen them happen so so many. And times. they rotate around the same position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is the power the position we talked about the about. team not having at the <laughs> at the beginning right. of the season. But that has been your—I mean, yeah. I, I have been around for uh, many of these things, and I've actually agreed with you on occasion. But it's not a topic I usually bring up because I am comfortable with it. I'm not—I don't think that it's. Uh, it kind of reminds me of people who are saying, you know, we do need to do more at the trade deadline. Let's just, I wanted to play it out. 
you know, I, I want to, and I, what, get is your wish. Play, what is played out is um, what this team does well and what it doesn't do well. Mm-hmm. And clearly what it does not do well is it cannot respond in kind to physicality and it does not um, get defensive rebounds if it's turning people over. Right. You can't do both. Not with this personnel. You need, you know, you need people with like Kawhi hands, you know, Robert Covington hands, people who snatch things, who are guarding, you know, the paint and, and not drop back, but kind of yeah. de- defending. You you need guys that are 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 strong resistance people rather than strong quickness people. I, I find myself sometimes um, you know, thinking about next year for this Wolves team and going, you know, I wonder if they, after what's, you know, they're going to be an above 500 team. If they're, if they're a team that has, is going to surprise us with regression next season, right? Kind of like the Atlanta Hawks. The Knicks. Yeah. Or the Knicks. Yeah. Maybe the Knicks is even a better, like, like that. And I, I find myself almost kind of anticipating that next year with, you know, the league just a little bit more healthy, just the nature of, you exceed expectations and then expectations expect you to exceed them again. Um, right. I, so I kind of lean more so that way, but then I remind myself that the roster is going to be tweaked this off season. Right. Right. It's going to be better finagled to fit Chris Finch's preferences and the needs that have become made apparent over the course of this 82 game season. And that's, that's reason for serious optimism because you just, I mean, just dismissed out of hand correctly that that this team cannot both force turnovers and rebound. Well, they might right. just be one roster adjustment away, a, a fairly big one in the offseason, right. but that's a that's a roster adjustment I anticipate happening. I assume they will bring in a big before next season, and that player will will you know will play next to Cat. Vanda will then come off the bench as a big and I mean, that could be a significant, significant yes. needle mover w- with this team going forward. And another one could be if Finch works his charm on Ant yeah. in terms of defense. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really lobbied. He keeps on saying the most impressive thing about Ant is his on-ball defense. That's really um, not true. You know, I mean, it's not the most impressive thing about Ant this year. Um, but I, I know and I understand why he says it. and. Uh, Finch sometimes tries to talk things into existence and <laughs> some, sometimes he's successful, you know? Um, so, but I do think that uh, Ant remains the great, uh, the Elevator. existing, the existing asset that suddenly gives you a leap, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're playing shoots and ladders, <laughs> If you land on the right end space, you get a big ladder. That's you true. know, that's true. You, you suddenly go up the board. Britt, you talked about all this and a lot more um, in your mailbag at MinPost. Everybody can go check that out. You're doing another mailbag. Was that was that correct? Uh, yeah, not you know, not soon. I'm going to do uh, uh, at least one or two more pregame zooms and at least one more mailbag. The pregame zoom was fun. The mailbag is is good. Um, a lot of people want to talk about um, scenarios, you know, and the smart thing, the smart answer on any of these things 
is that you have no idea how things are going to change in the next week, two weeks, a month. You know, I mean, it's it's always fun to hear people say, well, so-and-so is toast or right. this team is, you know. Um, right now, I, I will tell you that the people in Brooklyn are thinking that they're going to be in the finals. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds ridiculous to me right now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I know the weirdness that happens in the final month of an NBA season and the various jockeying and what, you know, and there are veterans who understand when the time is to really just pull out all the stops. And there are some veteran teams right yeah. now that are underachieving and it's going to be, and, and believe me, the Clippers know and if if they have a chance, if they're within sniffing distance of really doing something, then the Wolves have to worry about what's behind them more than they do what's ahead of them. Because a team with Paul George coming back to that and perhaps Norman Paul and perhaps Kawhi Leonard, um, that's a team that <laughs> is going to probably roll right over these Wolves team. We will see. We'll see. 19 games to go. Um... Go check out Britt's column, The Mailbag, over at MinPost. Britt, we'll talk again next week after um, we have Oklahoma City on Friday, Portland. The more wins Saturday. in the ledger. Right. Oh, we'll see. Don't, don't jinx it. You know, yeah. Got to keep moving in the right direction. He's Britt Robson. Follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. Read him at MinPost. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I will talk to you after that Thunder game on Friday night. Till then. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah